All right, good morning. So last week, we, we started our journey through the book of Ephesians. We talked about kind of Paul's, uh, just his, his initial greeting to the church, kind of introducing himself, talking about who, who it's written to. And then we covered his, his first sentence in the letter, which you probably remember was, was pretty long. In it, Paul, Paul praised God because in Jesus, we have received every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. And then Paul kind of went through some of those blessings, praising God for them. In our passage today, we get Paul's second sentence in the letter, uh, which is thankfully a little shorter than the first. So what we're going to see Paul do today is he's going to He's going to give thanks for the Ephesians, and then he's going to pray for them, and we're going to talk about the content of that prayer. So let's read Ephesians 1, 15 through uh, 23. If you don't have a Bible, it should be up on the slides. Again, that's Ephesians chapter 1. We're going to read verses 15 through 23. Paul says, For this reason, because I have heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love toward all the saints, I do not cease to give thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you the spirit of wisdom and of revelation and the knowledge of him, having the eyes of your hearts enlightened, that you may know what is the hope to which he has called you, what are the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints, And what is the immeasurable greatness of his power toward us who believe, according to the working of his great might that he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly places, far above all rule and authority and power and dominion and above every name that is named, not only in this age, but also in the one to come. And he put all things under his feet and gave him as head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word. And that, that in it, you, you give us instruction. You, you reveal yourself to us. You tell us more uh, about who you are and what you've done for us. And that you also give us Examples like Paul, where we, we can see what he prayed for uh, his, his fellow believers. And so we pray this morning that as we, as we look at this passage, that you would send your spirit to, to help us to, to understand it together, to, to benefit it from it together, that, that you would, would stir our, our hearts and our affections for who you are and what you've done for us, and that you would, you would motivate us because of your love, because of your grace, to, to walk in obedience to you. Jesus, we thank you for your sacrifice on our behalf, and it's in your name we pray. Amen. So what we're going to do today is we're just going to, we're going to walk through this prayer of Paul's for the Ephesians so that we might learn from it, so that we might benefit from it. So Paul starts this all off by saying, for this reason, what he's doing, and he's going to do this a whole lot as we go through the book of Ephesians. He's connecting what he's about to say to what he has just said. So, so last week, one of the things that, God, that Paul praised God for towards the end was that in Jesus, the, the Ephesians, they, they heard the word of truth, they heard the gospel and then they put their faith in Jesus. They, they uh, re- received the gospel, and then Paul said they were sealed with the Holy Spirit. And Paul says that because he, he heard about their faith and about the, the love that they have toward all the saints, he doesn't stop giving thanks for them. Notice that Paul points to two things here. He, he points to one inward thing and one outward thing. He gives thanks for their, their faith. He, he's heard about that. 
Uh, he's heard that they put, you know, saving faith in Jesus. When they heard the gospel, they, they believed. And so he gives thanks for this, this inward thing that happened in the Ephesians. But he also gives thanks for an outward thing. He's heard about their, their love toward all the saints. The fact that they have faith in Jesus is, is working itself in their, out in their life, and they're, they're loving towards other people. We want both this, this internal evidence, we have faith, and also this external evidence, we, we love other people, to be existent in our life, right? We, we want people to hear these things about us. We want these reputations, right? We, we wouldn't want someone to say, like, well, you know, they talk about their faith all the time but I've never seen them love anyone. We also wouldn't want people to say like, oh man, like that, that, that person is so loving. I wonder if they believe in Jesus. Right? Paul, Paul heard both about their faith and, and also about their love towards other people. And because they believe the gospel, because they put their faith in him, because they loved others well, Paul says, verse 16, I do not cease to give thanks for you, remembering you in my prayer. So Paul loves these people. He's, he's committed to these people. And it's demonstrated in this kind of continual, unceasing thankfulness that he has for them and him, him remembering them in prayer. We should notice three things about this. First, notice that Paul is giving thanks for the Ephesians, not, not to the Ephesians. Right? All last week, when Paul was praising God because in Jesus we've received every spiritual blessing, we talked about how again and again and again, Paul put the emphasis in our salvation not on the things we do, but on what God has done for us. Right? It would be pretty ridiculous if at this point of the letter, Paul shifted gears and was like, hey, Ephesians, I'm thankful for you because of all that you've done. Right? That, that's, not, that's not who he is. That's not what he believes. And so he gives thanks to God for the Ephesians because of what God has done in their life. Second, notice that Paul says he does not cease to give thanks for them by remembering them in prayer. He, he doesn't stop. Now, I don't want us to take this for what it's not. I don't know if you've ever, you know, maybe, maybe been in a youth group or a church where, where you talk about like praying without ceasing. Like my experience with that was, was always guilt. Because no matter how hard I tried, I always stopped <laughs> to, you know, maybe sleep. Uh, and so like, don't, like I, I don't think Paul is saying here that he literally spends every single moment of every single day giving thanks for the Ephesians. I think we know that that's true because there are other letters in the New Testament that were written by Paul after this point. And they're not all about the Ephesians. So Paul took breaks. I think what he's saying is that we should have a, a, a habit of giving thanks, of, of praying. Paul continually remembered them. He continually gave thanks for them. He, he didn't quit. And I think this is important because too often we set the bar too high for ourselves, right? Like, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to leave church today and I'm going to give thanks for my fellow believers all the time and I'm never going to stop. And then what happens is we, we fail to hit that unattainable goal and then we just quit. Instead, what we should do is we should set a reasonable goal. Right? I, want, I want to create a habit of giving thanks for other people. 
and then just keep doing it. Don't, don't set the bar too high and, and don't quit. The third thing, notice how Paul describes how he prays for the Ephesians, what, kind of what he does in prayer. He says he, he remembers them in his prayers. I think that one of the reasons why prayer is, is so good for us as God's people is that it creates a practice in our lives where we spend more time thinking about other people and less time thinking about ourselves. One of the reasons why Paul prayed the way he did for the Ephesians is because he spent time thinking about them instead of just consumed with his own stuff. Right? He, he, he thought about them. They, they came to mind. And then Paul does the best, most efficient, most useful thing he could do for these people he cares about. He, he brings them before the Lord in prayer because he cares about them. So there's one final thing I want to say before we, we get into the kind of meat and potatoes of, of Paul's prayer for the Ephesians. And that's that. Right, we're going to talk about Paul's prayer for them. And, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm not going to sugarcoat it. Paul is, is, is pretty great at praying. Right, this, this, is, this is going to be a, a legit prayer. Paul's going to have all kinds of wonderful, high, lofty language as he prays for the Ephesians. And it's, it's my concern that what will happen for us is that we will listen to Paul's prayer and then we'll, we'll walk away from it thinking, I can't pray like that. And so I probably just shouldn't. Instead, I'll, I'll let the people that can pray like that, pray like that. But I, I think that we should, we should think a little more deeply about that. Right? Like, what is it that we are afraid is going to happen? Right, like if, if I pray a prayer for someone else that isn't good as, as isn't as good as Paul's, like is God just gonna like smite that person because of my like not good prayer? Right, as if like it was just a little more lofty, then God would bless them. But because I failed, I fell short. God curses them instead. Right? That, that's, that's not what we think. That's not what we believe. That's not how it works. Right? We, we aren't going to pray as good as Paul does. So let's just kind of get rid of that. And so if you don't, if you don't hear anything else this morning, hear this. While what we pray for other people is important, that we pray for other people is far more important. And so we, 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 we want to pray well. We want to pray true things. We want to, to, you know, pray more like Paul and less like, you know, I don't know, probably Peter. Peter probably didn't pray very well. But more than anything, we want to be people who pray for other people because we care about them and we want God to work in their life. And we know that God is gracious towards us and that even when we fall short, who we are and what we do and our prayers are mediated through Jesus to the Father on our behalf. And so what we're going to do is we're going to look at Paul's prayer and we're going to see that he's better at it than we are. And we're going to walk away knowing that 
but we're just going to pray anyway because we know that God is gracious. So let's look at what he says. As, as we go through his prayer, we're going to see that there's this, this logical progression to Paul's prayer where he kind of like unpacks the things that he says before. And so the first thing he does is he, he prays that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the, the Father of glory, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him. So, so Paul wants God to give the spirit to the Ephesians. It's the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him. And so, so Paul is praying that God would, would send the spirit to, to reveal himself, to make known the knowledge of God to the Ephesians so they would grow in these things. How, how is this going to happen? Verse 18. He says, having the eyes of your hearts enlightened. So, so Paul, the, the heart, right? We, we normally think of the heart as this kind of like romantic red shape Valentine's Day thing. But in scripture, the heart is like the, the core of our being. It's the, the center of who we are. It's kind of what, what directs us as we live our lives. And Paul is praying that God would send the spirit to kind of open the Ephesians up at the core of their being so that they might know the things that God wants them to know. And this isn't just kind of like, you know, book learning knowledge here. This is, this is intimate relational knowledge that God wants to give him. This is knowledge from God given to his people. So we see what he wants them to know as we continue in verse 18. He says that you may know what is, and then he's going to give us three things, three things that he wants the Ephesians to know. Number one, the hope to which he has called you. Number two, the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints. And number three, the immeasurable greatness of his power toward us who believe. So first, Paul prays that they would know the hope to which God has called them. Listen to this quote from from Frank Thielman as he, he kind of unpacks this for us. He says, for Paul, hope does not involve an uncertain expectation that things might turn out well, but a firm conviction against all appearances to the contrary, that God will be gracious to his people because of what he's already accomplished for them in Christ. Right, Paul, all last week, he's unpacking the fact that in Jesus, we have received every spiritual blessing. That is the hope to which we have been called, right? We've received this great salvation. We stand in a place of grace before God. And so because of that, we should have a firm conviction in hope that God will be gracious to us because of what he's already done for us in Jesus. So we can look toward an uncertain future. We can deal with with suffering in the present because we know who we are in Jesus. Jesus. And Paul prays that God would send the Spirit to open us up so that we might know this hope to which we've been called. The second thing that Paul wants them to know, he prays that they would know, is, is the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints. The riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints. Now, now if we're not careful, we might miss a, a very important shift that happens in this verse. Right? Last week, Paul praised God because he said, in Jesus, we have obtained an inheritance. And he talked about how the Holy Spirit is, is the guarantee of that inheritance. And so if we're not careful, when we get to this point of, of Ephesians 1, we might make the mistake of thinking that Paul is talking here, that, that he's saying, like, I, I pray that they would know about the inheritance that they have in Jesus. But that's not what it says. He says the riches of, of his glorious inheritance in the saints. So Paul here is praying that the Ephesians would know about about God's inheritance in the saints. What this means is that the glorious riches of God's inheritance is the saints. Like it's us. 
right? We share in Christ's inheritance, and what God inherits is us. And so what this tells us is that we are of significant value to God. Like, we have worth to him. He, he desires us. We belong to him. He describes us here as the glorious riches of his inheritance. And so maybe we don't feel like this. Maybe we don't think about ourselves this way. Maybe we don't always believe this. And that's probably why Paul specifically prays that God would send the Spirit so that the Ephesians would know this true reality, that they are the glorious riches of of his inheritance. The third thing Paul prays is that the Ephesians would know what is the immeasurable greatness of his power toward us who believe. And then he's going to explain more and specify more about, about this power that he wants us to know. He says, according to the working of his great might that he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly places far above all rule and authority and power and dominion and above every name that is named, not only in this age, but also in the one to come. And he put all things under his feet and gave him his head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. So first, the focus here is on God's power that Paul wants us to know, uh, but he, it also tells us some stuff about Jesus. So we're going we're to talk about those things. Right? It tells us that God raised Jesus from the dead. He seated him at his right hand in the heavenly places. It says that as a result of that, that Jesus is above all rule and authority and power and dominion. He is, he is king. His name is above every name. It's not just a temporary thing. It's, it's both binding in this age and in the one to come. So it's, it's forever. And he says that everything is under his feet. And, and as ruler of everything, he's the head of the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. So when the church is full of Jesus, we spill out into the world around us as his representatives, bringing some of his fullness with him. But the focus here is on God's power, the power that raised Jesus. This is what Paul is praying that the Ephesians would, would know more about, would, would experience more, would, would have an intimate knowledge of. And so what does he tell us about this power? The first thing he tells us is that it's, it's resurrection power. This is the power that brought Jesus back from the dead, that, that took him from the grave to the right hand of the Father. Like there, there is no power like this power. Number two, this power can't be limited, right? It can't be held back by, by any earthly powers. In order for God to, to put Jesus above every rule and authority and power and dominion and above every name that is named, God has to have power greater than all of those things. And number three, this power, it, it, it can't be limited by time. Right, in order for God to, to guarantee something both in this age and in the age to come, like his power has to transcend both of those times. It holds sway both now and later. And Paul is praying that his people would, would know the immeasurable greatness of this power. Right, his power is immeasurable. Right, it, it, it raised Jesus. It's not subject to any earthly ruler or authority. It has dominion over everything. It, it's not subject to time, but is eternal. Right, it is these things because God is those things. But notice that Paul doesn't just want us to know the immeasurable greatness of his power. He wants us to know that. But he also wants us to know the immeasurable greatness of his power toward us who believe. You see, it's, it's, it's one thing to know that, that God is, is great, 
Right? It's one thing to know the, the immeasurable greatness of his power, but it's quite another thing to know that that power, all of it, all the immeasurable greatness of it, is toward us. It's, it's for us. It, it's to our advantage. It's to our benefit. See, the reality is, is that there are, there are all kinds of, of rulers and authorities and powers out there. But the one who rules them all is for us. There's all kinds of people in this world, but the one who has a name that's above all of those names is for us who believe. Right? This age will end and a new one will come, but the one who has power in this age and in the next is for us who believe. Death is going to come for us, but God who raised Jesus from the dead is for us who believe. The reason why God gave Jesus uh, as, as above all things, as over all things to the church is because he's for us who believe. Right? It's, it's amazing that God is great in power but it's merciful and gracious and loving that that power is for us. It's on our side because we're in Jesus. And so Paul is praying here that God would send his spirit, the spirit of, of wisdom and revelation, so at the very core of their being, the Ephesians might be opened up to the knowledge of these things, the knowledge of, of this, this hopeful reality that they live in a state of grace before God, the reality that they are the, the glorious inheritance of the Father, that, that he himself values them, that, that they are, are glorious and richly worthy, and that they would know that, that his immeasurable power is, is for them. It's toward them. This is the kind of prayer that we should be praying for one another. Right? We should be praying like, you know, Help people with their stuff going on in their life. But the reality is that we don't always know the stuff that's going on in everyone's life. But what we do know is that all the time, what we need more of is more of the knowledge of who Jesus is and what he's done for us. What we know we need more of is reminders of, of who Jesus is and who we are because of who he is and what he's done for us. And so this is the kind of prayer that we can always pray for someone. Right? Praying that they would, they would know more about the hope that we've been called to. That, they would, that we would know more about the fact that, that God is, is for us and his power is on our side and for our benefit. And that we would know more about the worth we have because of Jesus. And so let's pray prayers like this for each other. We're, we're, we're not always going to get it right. We're not always going to use, you know, logically thought out language like Paul does. But, but let's not make the mistake of just not praying. And remember that, that God's answer to our prayers, it's not dependent upon the content of our prayers. Right? Like we don't, we don't have magic words or magic phrases that if we just, you know, if we say these things, then God will answer it's dependent upon who he is and what he's done for us. It's because of our place in Christ. It's because of his, his grace and his care for us and his power. And Paul prays specifically that we would know and believe all of those things in this prayer. 
And he's reminding us through his prayer for the Ephesians that, that all of those are ours in Jesus. And so, so let's pray these things for ourselves and for our fellow believers, even, even if the best we can do is saying, God, please answer Paul's prayer for me and for my friends. Like that's, that's a start. Right? That's a place to, to grow from, to build from. Like our, our prayers don't have to be perfect. And God doesn't expect them to be perfect because he knows who we are. We just have to pray them and, and trust God to do the rest. So let's pray. And then let's continue in worship together this morning. And, and let's go forth from this place, not, not beat down and, and guilty and ashamed because we can't pray like Paul but instead reminded of the truth that Paul prayed for the church. That because of that truth, we would realize that we just need to pray and trust God to answer on our behalf and on behalf of others. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you that you are good and gracious and immeasurably great in power. And that you sent Jesus, the righteous for the unrighteous, that you might bring us to you, that you, you bought us back into relationship with yourself. And Jesus, we thank you that, that you tore down the veil separating us from the presence of God so that because of what you've done for us, because of who you are, that we can, can boldly come into your presence in prayer with confidence. And so we pray like with Paul that you would send your spirit to open our hearts to, to enlighten us so that we would know more of the glorious gospel hope you've called us to. So that we would know that we are your glorious inheritance. So that we would know and believe and embrace and walk in the reality that, that your immeasurably great power is is, is toward us who believe. Father, we pray that you would send your spirit to help us to, to live in and, and walk in these great gospel realities. And we pray that you would help us to spend less time consumed with our own thoughts and spend more time remembering others in prayer. We pray that you would help others to do that for us. Jesus, in your name we pray. Amen.